Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Food Intelligence Podcast. I'm Miriam, subbing in for Ron this week. I'm joined by the lovely Amy, who is on our customer success team. She's here today to talk a little bit about uh, what we're seeing in the business world side of things. We've been talking a lot about trends and motivations in the last couple of weeks of the pod. So today we really want to dig into the nitty gritty of how businesses and brands are responding to these trends. Uh, so let's get into the episode. All right, Amy, welcome. It's so good to be with you on the pod. Yeah, it's really great to be here with you today. I'm really glad that you've joined us. Um, How's everything going in Tel Aviv? It's great. It's sunny. Um, We're really uh, enjoying our new offices here as well. How's everything over with you? It's good. It's good. We're uh, transitioning into fall. So um, the weather is, it's perfect. Right amount of sunny, right amount of chilly. It's great. Um, So thank you for joining us today. Uh, Like I said in the intro, we are going to be digging today into a few of the business questions that we're thinking a lot here at TasteWise. For those of you who are our longtime listeners at this point, we've done quite a few episodes. You'll know that in recent weeks, we've been talking about uh, trends and insights and motivations, everything from, you know, birthday cake to nostalgia to, you know, and everything in between, um, which has been amazing. And, and we've gotten a lot of great feedback about how that's relevant for folks in, you know, new product development, marketing, sales. Um, but I want to actually dig into what those people are actually doing with those trends. Um, so what does it mean to have access to trends like that? And how are businesses and brands in the food and beverage industry actually using and reacting to those trends? Um, so maybe to start us off, Amy, maybe you can tell us a little bit um, about, let's start off with what you do at TasteWise, um, and then we can maybe dive into a little bit of what we call the digital transformation, um, and I know a lot of other folks in the industry call it that as well, um, and maybe walk us through a little bit about what you're seeing in your day-to-day work and the power of data uh, for your clients. Yeah, sure. So I work, I'm a client success manager at, at TasteWise. So I have the opportunity to work with a lot of our amazing clients and they're across the food and beverage industry. So it could be people working on uh, new flavors and, and new products. It could be also um, companies working on how do they communicate their value to the consumer. So as Mary mentioned, there's a lot of different use cases. So we could be talking about new product development. And then within new product development, there's a lot of different ways that we could be approaching it. So it could be an entirely new product to the world, or it could be product line extensions or renovations. Um, we, I also work with a lot of different people within marketing organizations. So how do you communicate the value of the existing product or what's the best way to understand what your consumers are looking for and using that to inform the new product directions. And then of course, sales. So how do we best generate um, the highest volume of food service sales and how do we find how do we find these leads and and figure out what the best story to tell as well um, so there's definitely a lot of a widespread or diff- a lot of different ways that we can use the data in the food and beverage industry and and what I'm used doing with the clients is helping them find those insights that are going to best service what they're looking to do or, or tell that story that they're trying to tell either from a b2b perspective from the b2c perspective Amazing. So before um, before we kind of dive into some of those real world use cases, I'm curious to know a little bit about how your clients were actually surfacing those insights prior to using uh, data sources like TasteRise or you know the other players in the market. Um, so what kind of what did the the world look like of of insight surfacing before uh, before TasteRise? Yeah. So a lot of previously, what a lot of clients were doing is they would go out into the field and do a survey uh, of a certain sample of 
of consumers. Um, now, this definitely can, can provide some insight, but the problem is that it was a very limited data um, or sample size, and it required that people would opt in. And a lot of what we see is that the way that what consumers will tell you is not always what they're actually looking for. Um, so we're missing that, that aspect of it. We also had kind of a lot of these traditional data sources that were being updated maybe once a year, but they weren't dynamic and moving with the consumers. And especially what we've seen in the data is that now more than ever, and this was even happening pre-pandemic, but the pandemic just accelerated this trend where consumers' needs and preferences are changing so much that we need to have a finger on the pulse much more than once a year. Um, and then also having a view that puts the consumer first. So not just looking at what are consumers buying in the store, but what are they actually eating? Um, so that's also something where there was a focus on what are they buying, but uh, less mm -hmm. of a focus on what are they actually consuming. Right. And I imagine that something like COVID, right, a massive uh, kind of crisis that, that hit us really unexpectedly, um, that retail data and buying data wasn't particularly reflective of necessarily what consumers were eating and drinking. And then at the, the root case of that, like what, what they were actually valuing and what they were actually trying to solve for themselves, right? Um, I think the classic example is, you know, people were buying tons of cans of tuna, which is you know, or, or right. non-perishables because they were reacting to that pandemic, but using that kind of data for innovation that's, you know, 10, 12 months down the line isn't, right, it's not scalable, it's not super sustainable. So um, I, I see kind of what you're saying about retail being not a super reliable source of information for the actual behaviors of consumers. Right, and actually the canned example is a great example of this is what people are buying, but who knows if they're actually even consuming it this month, they could be consuming it in a year right. from now and they're stocking up. So what we wanted is more of an insight into what are they eating today? What are they looking for? And how is that changing over time and having that dynamic sense of, of consumption, both in terms of what are people eating at home as and also delivery became significantly more important. So not only what are they eating at home, but what are they ordering? Amazing. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I think especially as consumers, I think the language that we, we used to use for this, which I think is a kind of a good metaphor that the, the tables have changed for consumers and, and where they're consuming um, and what, what they're eating and drinking, right? That's true even for us. Um, we, you know, we ourselves are consumers as well. Um, and seeing that delivery is, is definitely on the rise. It's not new for anybody listening to this, right? But the fact that that has dictated and changed and guided um, what people are eating and where, having a finger on that pulse is really is really crucial. Uh, great, okay, so that makes sense, um, kind of the traditional sources and where we're coming from. So let's talk a little bit about then what the transformation has looked like and what digital adoption actually looks like for branding businesses. So do you have some, maybe some real world use cases or um, something like that that you wanna share? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different examples of how clients are basically using TasteWise as a way to facilitate their digital adoption. And this is part of a much, much larger trend. And TasteWise is one way that we're that companies are starting to integrate more of a data-driven focus. Um, so for example, if they're trying to figure out what new product to make, instead of basing it off of, okay, we think that this is trending, now they have the data behind it to back it up. Or maybe instead of going out and doing field research and conducting the survey, they can just with the click of a button get exactly a good sense of what's the trend and how should we be making this into a product. Um, I think it's also very much giving more insight, not just into what the trend is, but why is this trend happening mm -hmm. so that we can have a bigger picture view of 
what else can we anticipate that consumers might be looking for? So if we know that uh, kombucha, for example, is trending because of gut health, then we can think of other ways that consumers might um, be interested in um, addressing gut health through different products. Um, so there's a lot of different ways and and it's really fascinating and exciting to see how a lot of organizations that have are used to working in a very specific way are now more and more integrating data and it's not becoming a nice to have, it's a must have at this point. Yeah, I like that. And do you find that people who are doing this kind of work, whether it's within, you know, marketing or NPD or sales, which you mentioned before, do you feel like you're seeing a transformation towards being more more comfortable with using data in pipelines? Is it something that you're saying it's a must have, but is it something that people are kind of, it's becoming bread and butter? Are we still seeing this kind of growing pains period? Where are we in, in terms of industry adoption? Yeah, I mean, it's a really fascinating question. And I think what we're seeing is that, um, there's a certain amount of, there's always a little bit of hesitancy to adopt new processes and, and new ways of approaching way, kind of research questions that are age old. We're not answering new research questions or answering re, research questions in a new way. Um, but I think it really depends on the organization. And, and we're, I'm really lucky to be working with a lot of companies that are really fast, fast forward or forward thinking ones that are mm-hmm. working on an organizational level to have more data and have more digital adoption and see TasteWise as one of the tools that will enable them to be a much more technologically driven company. That's amazing. And do you find that these companies are, are also kind of on the whole pivoting fully towards data? Is there still you know, a little bit of combination of things of the traditional sources and data? What do you expect from this digital transformation? Let's say as we, or, or technological, technological transformation, let's say it's 2023, what do you think things are gonna look like? Are people fully relying on data? Or are, they, are they doing a mix of survey and data? Kind of where, where does that stand? Yeah, I mean, I think there's different kinds of data as well. So it's both kind of the traditional data versus the new data, but also different kind of ways of looking at it. I think that we're definitely gonna see more and more, um, especially as consumers needs and preferences change, we need to have a different way of approaching it. Now, it doesn't always mean that we should completely ignore all of the other data. It still gives us some insight to have retail consumption, but to understand a lot of, well, what are people actually talking about on social media, for example, which is a completely different medium than what are they purchasing in the store? And what are they talking about and what are they interested in? For example, where are food trends emerging? And we're seeing a lot of food trends even emerge on social platforms. So um, it's about finding, first of all, where are we going to best understand the voice of the consumer? And then what are other ways that we can complement that? Um, so I would say it's, it's going to be a mix, but definitely more and more people are going to be need to be attaching data and figures to different trends and, and to see how and to keep a pulse on it. And, and to also have that element of looking at the being able to parse through bigger picture, because there's so much, especially when we're talking about language and, and how people are describing their food. There's a lot of nuances out there. For so sure. people are going to need something to make sense of all of this data as well. Right. And data that is as real time as possible and can be tracked over the course of time. Right. So not saying like, you know, here's a ton of data, but it's relevant for last year. And um, I think companies are, are learning how to be much more agile as their consumers become much more agile um, right. and learning how to kind of incorporate this data into their daily decision making to kind of speed things up and, and make products or marketing campaigns or sales strategies, whatever that accomplish their goals. And I think that goes along with a, even beyond the food and beverage industry, companies are more and more putting consumers in the center 
And I think that's very consistent with this global trend that we're seeing as well. It's a lot more focused on what does the consumer want? How is that changing over time? And, it, and this is definitely a macro trend that permeates as well into food and beverage. And this is exactly what, what we're looking at as well in food and beverage is putting the consumer first rather than the CPG company saying, this is a new product. Now let's figure out how to sell it. It's what do the consumers want? And let's create a product that they're actually going to want to consume and purchase. Right. Which I think really drives home the point that consumer motivations and consumer needs, which are the root causes for these trends are the really important thing. Or uh, of course, tracking trends and and ingredients and dishes that are trending are important and valuable on their own, but understanding what drives those is what can help companies create a more sustainable and scalable strategy moving forward. Right. Because if you know, I think a great example is, um, you know, Pepsi seaweed product that they just put out um, for their, I think it's off the beaten path, um, product line, right? Uh, They were able to service insights that showed them that consumers care about things like, you know, they they want salty snacks, they care about gut health, they care about healthy eating, right? All of those which kind of underpin um, and then found that seaweed actually accomplishes those goals without consumers actually being able to articulate in this moment that seaweed is what they're looking for. So I think that that's a great example of kind of anticipating consumer needs uh, based on real-time data. Yeah, definitely. It's It's a great example of that. Um, Okay, well, thank you. This was a a great kind of short and sweet conversation. um, And I hope it's valuable for those that were listening in today. Um, We'll be back next week with kind of longer form programming that I hope that you all uh, got, you know, appreciated the chance to hear Amy from the customer success side of things, talk about why data um, and the digital transformation is is really important to have at the top of mind um, on the business side of things and how the trends that we talk about, you know, every day actually play out in the market and why they're valuable for um, for, you know, businesses and brands like to have their finger on. Um, any last words for us, Amy, before we wrap up today? We're definitely happy to help. And uh, this is definitely something that we like to do at TasteWise is to help facilitate this digital transformation. So um, definitely happy, always happy to help uh, with research questions. Yeah, please. And just a reminder to all of you out there, if you have any specific research questions that you're thinking about or things that you want us to talk about on the podcast or on our weekly um, insights research session that we do called TasteWise Live, that's every Tuesday. Um, If you have anything that you're thinking about, shoot us an email at live at tastewise.io. That comes directly to us and we would love to check it out and explore it with you in some format or another. Um, and also we have a uh, our free edition, TasteWise Spotlight. Um, it's free forever. Please feel free to head over to the website, sign up, no credit card or anything like that required. Um, it's a tool that we want you to enjoy and use and find value in for your pipeline. A lot of the stuff that Amy's talking about today um, about digital transformation and having access to this kind of real-time data um, sourced from you know social media and from menus and from recipes is available to you uh, for free. So you can type in anything that you're interested in exploring any concept, dish, ingredient, et cetera, um, and get a trend report back. We're also launching a new version of that free edition in the coming weeks. So sign up now to make sure that you have uh, first access to all of that. Um, And other than that, Amy, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, So thank you as well to Ophir Nagar, our excellent producer here on the TasteWise team, as well as Danielle Gao, who is our audio producer um, and helps us make these podcasts go out into the world. Um, So thank you, everybody. Looking forward to being with you all next week and talk to you soon.